You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podcast. 25 yard line off the fake to Goldman. Jones pass is caught by Evan Ingram, still going down the sideline. Evan Ingram will take this all the way. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Oh, Grump, you know, I wait all offseason for baseball to start. And after the third game, I'm already super pissed at my Tampa Bay Rays. So for those of you wondering where the cranky fan is, just go on Twitter because I'm frustrated after the last couple of days. So all all, all is right with the world, Grump. <laughs> I, I thought for sure – well, yeah, we've been spoiled. We had We had pretty much the happiest fan we could have other than New York Giants football. I mean, you had, you had <laughs> quite a 2020 of championships. It's nice. It's been a nice run, but you know, cold water of reality splashes you in the face. I get annoyed. You know what it is, Grump? Too. It's like I don't get the same level of like moment-to-moment annoyance I do in any other sport than baseball. Maybe it's just the leisurely pace of it, and you have time to sit and think about it after each pitch or something. But goddamn, I went. I'm back to zero to red already in like two minutes. Yeah, it's gonna be a long. Six months ahead of me, and we didn't get our shit straight. But I digress. This is not the Just Rays podcast. This is the Just Giants podcast, where I'm feeling considerably better about that situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel rage watching baseball, too. That's just because it's boring. Yeah, um, you just don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Um, but, yeah, flipping back to Giants' side, you know, this has been a pleasant off season. You know, it's so pleasant that, you know, we have actually – people actively happy about an offseason which is not typical of Giants anything certainly not any Dave Gettleman aspect of this of this you know era but you know this is a good situation and you know we were just kind of talking and discussing like they're at a point now sitting sitting pat where they are at 11 and we're seeing some trades go on here what with the the Jets trading away Sam Darnold and uh was it the Eagles traded out of their spot um, yeah, well, and also the, the big San Francisco trade, which you know, obviously yeah, oh, yeah. has implications for what their move will be. Um, you know, we see the teams that need to make moves making moves. The Giants are in a position where they don't really need to do anything. There is no glaring, overarching, absolute must-slam-dunk need for the first time in so long. I mean... There are clear weak spots that need to be addressed, but they don't need to be addressed first round. We don't need an immediate starter to fill a hole at this point. Um, yeah. And, and you know, we were kind of discussing Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay's addition to the wide receiver room is a clear upgrade over Golden Tate. I mean, this is a number one receiver like we haven't had since, I don't know, Hakeem Nix. Um, I'd say Hakeem Nix, yeah. yeah. Um, and not only is it having him being a number one, it puts everybody else in their right place. Right. Who is you know Sterling Shepard can now do what Shirley Shepard Shepard does best, and, and and down the line. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I I know that that makes us all feel warm and fuzzy because it should. But as we're discussing pick eleven, that's no reason not to pick a Jalen Waddle or a Devonte Smith or you know. Had, Lord upon us, Jamar Chase would be, you know, wonderful. But, you know, there's no reason why not. I mean, why 
why relegate yourself to just those three? There is no need on this team. We don't need an edge rusher or an offensive lineman so, so unbelievably badly that we can pass up on a, a big-time talent like the guys that I just mentioned. Yeah, I mean, conventional sports talk radio wisdom and th- theory is, okay, we got our number one receiver. Now, you know, regardless of where you know people fall on our big board, we have to go get an edge rusher. We have to get an offensive lineman to fill those holes. And I'm really curious, you know, you know, with Dave Gettleman, you know, if all things are considered equal on the big board and there is, you know, there's a right tackle, there's a wide receiver, there's a defensive end that is graded exactly the same on our board and we're at number 11. I have a theory that I think we're going, I think we're going to be going like, wide receiver, even though we just, we spent a boatload of money on, on a wide receiver. I, and here's my reasoning. This team needs an identity and we are going to be in transition in the next couple of years on offense. And I think, you know, you get another elite one type receiver. All of a sudden we have some really, really big weapons on this team. And we'll know right away if Daniel Jones is the piece. Is, is he going to be the weak link in, you know, in this chain? Or is he going to be, you know, continue development that he could be a capable quarterback? And if it works out, this becomes an offense that people will want to play for. Because Sterling Shepard is probably going to be gone after next year. You know, uh, Slayton is a guy that, you know, Giant fans like. But I don't think the rest of the league really knows or cares that much about he's not a a critical cog but he is a he has a role on this team so you know there's going to be rollover of of roster on the offense but i think if you build a foundation of you know two elite receivers you know a a, a barkley a a daniel jones a lines continuing to develop i think you you build that foundation you build that kind of you know what people think of the offense. So I don't think it's just a slam dunk with automatically just because we filled some spots already. Well, we'll just go to the next spot. We need the most. It's going to be in a one. I think it's be who's the highest ranked on the board, but B you might see an overload in talent on one particular position to make that a really good position group. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, I, I think, I think you're hundred percent right. We're, we're at the point now when you don't have a glaring need and you, you are no longer, I would say, at this point, after this offseason, this is it for rebuilding. Now you are just building. You're building on the foundation that you've made. Um, and what that means is you're now deciding who stays and who gets replaced. So it's recycling talent. You have a wide receiver room that is three starting caliber guys, finally. There are no... Um, what am I trying to say? There's no There's no backups forced into a starting position. You know, you get John Ross. John Ross isn't probably not going to start. He's he's a deep threat guy. He can fill in if Darius Slayton hurts his foot again, or you know whatever. But he and, and he can Dante Pettis. You know these guys they can come in on a four wide receiver, five wide receiver set, whatever. Or they can fill in when people get hurt, and you know you don't miss a beat. But now you start getting guys for when when contracts end because you cannot re-sign everybody. You know you can't. You have to make decisions, and you can extend people early if you want, but the best teams in the league, they don't re-sign everyone. And I know that it's been a running theme for critics 
that the Giants have only X amount of players signed to a second contract, you know, not everyone deserves a second contract. Some of that is bad drafting. Some of that is bad cap management. Some of that is, you know, transition of time. Some of that's not able to re-sign your talent. But this is when you decide, I'm going to start drafting talent and we can make a decision on who stays and goes. So Listen, if, if there's no pandemic and the cap doesn't drop this year, Dalvin Tomlinson's probably still on this team. Yeah, probably. But I mean, you know, going back to other guys yeah. that just, you know, out, outperform I mean, what we were able to give. And I know, but, you know, I kind of like to – I don't like to go too far in the past with these historical little trends because, you know, with a different general manager and well, different coaches. the team is just in a different state of affairs sometimes. I mean, right, Dave Gettleman but, gets here. He's taking over. You know, whoever the new GM, it doesn't have to be Gettleman, but just you get a new GM and, you know, in his first year, he's got to make decisions and you don't just retain talent. You don't even know the guy. You know what I mean? Like you have bigger things to worry about than piece A and piece B. You have a whole overall picture to look at over the course of several years. So, you know, there's all sorts of factors that go into it. But I do think that they're going to tip themselves at this point now towards skill position players. And we already see the overload of talent at the DB room. We already see it. I mean, we have um, Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan, Xavier McKinney. Those are all starting safeties right there. Julian Love isn't bad at safety or cornerback. And we have Adoree Jackson, Darnay Holmes, uh, James Bradbury, you know Isaac Yadam. We, we have an overflux of an overflow of talent in the DB side. Now I'm thinking that they're going to add up on the wide receiver side. It, and that may be first round pick. That may be any round pick. You know, just because they don't go wide receiver in the first round doesn't mean that they won't find some late round guy that they think the talent is worth adding to the room. And, and also, I think the way this defense has been built, we don't need to have that premier edge rusher for this defense to work. I mean, this defense is built kind of from the back to the front almost, where the secondary's really been stabilized. You know, we have, you know, a guy like Leonard Williams, you know, the, the BJ Hills and stuff oh, in the middle. You know, it'd be nice to have a, an edge, a, a really good edge rusher, but I don't think it's as necessary the way, you know, this defense is, the, the way, um, it was run last year with all the different things being disguised and all the different types of, you know, formations we have in there. It, you know, it's, it's not a position right now where the defense can't function because we don't have it. So that's another reason why I'm not exactly sure that they will jump the line to get an edge rusher or even if all things considered equal, they would get one. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, tons of other people out there like to say that, you know, there's no coverage sacks. All sacks are coverage sacks and, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, there's no need to have an otherworldly edge rush talent when you have, you know, the, the the setup the way they have it with defensive backs and ex- excel, excellent coverage skill guys, and then you push up the middle. As long as people are getting some pressure, when you have some coverage, you'll get sacks. So there's there's no reason to add that. I mean, of course, like we said, if you're sitting at 11 and an otherworldly talent is there. You take the talent, and it will never hurt to have that. Um, but there's no there's no trading up necessary. There's no tripping over our own feet to get to the podium to get a, a particular position group anymore. I mean, this this is a functional roster now that you can just start adding talent, and that kind of goes right into what we're going to talk about today. You know, we were confused at the time when the when the when the free agent signing was made, but. 
just because the tight end room is filled with four guys, you know, they, they clearly, they, they keep saying they like Evan Ingram. They gave him the snaps last year to prove it. They go out and they get a Kyle Rudolph. They extend, or uh, sorry, they restructure Levine Tololo to keep him around for another year or whatever. Um, or they dumped guarantee. I forget how they restructured him, but it lends itself that they're probably not going to get rid of Tololo. And Caden Smith played a uh, high amount of snaps last year. That doesn't mean that they're not going to go and get otherworldly talent at tight end, and there's a little bit of that in that draft. I don't know if anyone's heard of this guy. Kyle Pitts from Florida is um, a really good tight end. Uh, name name rings a bell. Uh, can you tell me a little about him? I, I'm not sure I quite – I've heard the name. Not 6'6", 235 pounds, um, you know – Real good catching the ball, high points to the football well, has some excellent ball skills. I'm not really sure what his stats were, but he had like a million touchdowns last year. Um, he's he's been described as a unicorn. I, I don't know. You're you're from Florida. Oh, that guy, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, <laughs> you know, from a school that brought us, you know, Aaron Hernandez, Cornelius Ingram, you know, a, a ton of. Uh, Great tight ends over the last, you know, 30 years or so that going to the NFL. This is the best one I've seen. You know, and Aaron Hernandez gave him a real run for his money. Uh, but this guy, his physical talent, his his route running ability, his just everything he does, he's the best. He's one of the five best offensive weapons I've seen at Florida in the last 30 years. And you know all the guys that we've had go through there in all this time. You know, from the Percy Harvins to the, uh, you know, through the Emmett Smiths. You name it. This guy is definitely on that Mount Rushmore. That's how good he is. And over the last year, he specifically wanted to be more, you know, more attempts to block. He he, he did a lot of uh, work on his pass blocking. Uh, not not great, but it's better than it was. He'd be capable, I think, which is just kind of an added bonus from the. You know, being a tight end, but damn, if this guy ever fell down to 11, like I've said it before on this show, I'm on NFL.com before the envelope goes to uh, the commissioner to make the <laughs> announcement. I'm already buying the, the buying the jersey. You know, you mentioned his blocking, and you know, it's it's the one thing I wanted to key in on because you know, I I, I was already watching him. I was watching him last year. What really blew me away in the middle of the year was I had, and we haven't we haven't talked about these guys yet, but I had my eyes set on South Carolina corner J.C. Horn this year, going into this year as, as a guy that I really wanted to keep my eye on. And watching him, who is now regarded as a top three corner in this draft, struggle so mightily against Kyle Pitts, immediately I was like, holy shit, this guy is really something else well he's just a physical mismatch i mean i don't know who 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 guards him you know do corners do do linebackers i i don't know it's just that was the beauty of him is he just he find these little seams and he's got hands of uh, you know butter that catches everything that goes his way and you know he's just unicorn is the word i mean i know it's used a lot in basketball and everything but he truly is a unique talent yeah Catching the football, I don't think there's a single thing that I would, you know, critique on. I mean, obviously, there's little things here and there he's going to pick up uh, at the NFL level with NFL talent and, and coaching and stuff around him. But 
you know, the size mismatch is where you start, right? I mean, 6'6", you know, 235, 240, whatever he's up to at this point. I, his playing weight was a little on the low end of that, but, you know, they, these guys bulk up in, in well, preparation. Well, last year – and last year was an anomaly too because of, of you know, not having a real offseason. So that – let's not – don't get too worried about the numbers, especially this year. Yeah, but I mean, uh, and, right there, the, the wingspan alone, like you said, the size mismatch. But once you add in his his speed and his route running, it's. I, I, you're right. I don't know who you met. Maybe um, oh, what's his name? Fuck, who was the safety that Seattle? Cam Chancellor would be the only one off the top of my head that would actually be able to hang on to him because of his speed and size. Uh, yeah, speed and size. But he in himself was a unicorn of a safety, you know. Uh, you mentioned his blocking, and so I keyed in on that. And uh, I think he's pretty decent already. You know, it's 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 not great. He could work on sustaining them a little bit. He he often throws a good pop, but doesn't really lock on and drive. But when it comes to pass blocking, he anchors really well. He gets his pad level right, and you know he puts his weight in the right spot. You know, on the back end of the balls of his feet. You know, to kind of just anchor himself he almost looks like a tackle at times in his pass blocking he's he's not at all a bad blocker at all and, and one thing another thing i kind of caution people when you look and see well he only played you know seven games last year and because he injury prone let me remind everybody you know those who don't follow florida football every moment of the day like they should but um he got drilled on a, a touchdown catch against georgia um lewis klein signed just Drilled him, gave him a headshot. It was a 15-yard penalty. The guy, I, I think he was suspended after the game for, for for the hit and not gave him a concussion. He was knocked out of two games. And then in the LSU game, in probably the worst coaching move of Dan Mullen's career, you know, took that game so much for granted that he sat um, Kyle Pitts out to make sure he's 100% to go when we play Georgia in two weeks. And as a result of just that overconfidence, they lost and blew any chance they'd have for the national championship. So don't get freaked out when you see, well, he only played seven games. Oh, twice he didn't play for different reasons. There's kind of situations behind that. that where it's not like he has nagging hamstrings or just a guy It's a little brittle. It's, one was a legitimate headshot and the other was just you know a head fart by the head coach. Yeah. Um, Kyle Pitts falls to eleven. I know, I know your your bias is there. You're ready to order the jersey, but you, the GM, with with the tight end room the way it is, are you are you taking Kyle Pitts there over, say, Micah Parsons or or the the like? You know, who's 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 in front of Kyle Pitts for you? Let me put it this way: there is nobody at eleven who can be potentially the best player at his position in two years. Kyle Pitts yeah, is that sure. guy. Yeah. And, you know, I don't care who is in our tight end room right now. You know, you get – first of all, I, I'd be very hard for me to believe that if we're going by just best player on a board, somebody would be better than Kyle Pitts at 11. <laughs> yeah, Trevor I, Lawrence maybe. Is he not going to fall to 11? Try, no, I, I know. That's what I'm saying. He yeah, might be the only other what, one, right? That, that's what I'm saying. And it just, that's an impossibility. It's, that's not happening. So, like – if he does fall to 11, it's a victim victim of circumstance the way the draft board is going. There's a run on quarterbacks. There's a run on, you know, linemen. There's something fluky going on that 
he's not dropping because there's questions about him. There's no gas mask with him. It's just circumstance. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, to me, you know, there may be other people appealing, you know, but there's going to be nobody at 11 who's going to be ranked as he's ranked as high on the board than, than him. You take him. And end and of story. I, I would I would be shocked if he's there at 11. Having said that. Yeah. So I, I did. um I did a mock draft just for fun. And I for whatever reason, both the tackles were gone. And uh, so I was left with and, and I think all three wide receivers, which meant I was there with Micah Parsons. I think actually, I don't know. I think it was Micah Parsons, Kyle Pitts, and Devontae Smith were all available, and I, I took Kyle Pitts. I, I just I couldn't justify letting him go. Those guys are those guys are going to be really good. Those guys are going to be you know potential Pro Bowlers. I don't think any of them are going to be the like I said the best at their position in a very short period of time, and I think Kyle Pitts has that opportunity to be the best at his position. Yeah. Now, in a normal year with, you know, not in a normal, in a normal draft class, we would be talking about Pat Fryermuth as um, a first-round draft pick. But because of Kyle Pitts, there's a chance that this guy falls to the second round. And in that case, I think you're, again, I don't care what the tight end room is like. If Pat Fryermuth from Penn State is there at the top of the second round when the Giants are picking, I have him... Mm, I'm, I'm like starting to draw the P before I'm even looking at the rest of the board. Um, this is another – I mean like he, he's built a little bit differently. You know, he's only an inch shorter but he's a bit heavier and he, he looks at too. He's a thicker guy. He looks a little bit more like that inline tight end that I, I think the Giants are more privy to. He's more traditional tight end I'll say, less less of a receiver only but – He's great in all in, in all facets of the game. You know, he's, he's got the size mismatch. He's a really good route runner. He's got good speed and suddenness. Um, I think he's he's a better blocker than Kyle Pitts right now. Um, that's to say that that Pitts can still improve that. He wasn't asked a whole lot of it at Florida, but at Penn State is a big big part of what they do. Um, and also they have a dog shit quarterback situation anyway. So um, I really like what he does in the blocking game and. Not necessarily the result ever, you know, ever, and often. Uh, so even if his, he screws up the block or he blocks the wrong guy or, or maybe his technique is a little wonky, I like the way he attacks into his block. And that's one of the things I look at when I look at block. I don't want these guys to be absorbing hits. I want them to hit. Um, and that's often a problem when I watch tight ends is I watch these guys just sit there and they get run over because they're, you know, they're ready. They're in their stance. They're ready to, you're looking at a defensive who's trying to maul people. He's going to run you over. You have to go out there and hit him, throw him off balance. And that's something that I saw a lot of with Pat Fryermuth. You know, as far as a receiver goes, he's definitely a mismatch. He, he's going to give linebackers and safeties trouble. He's somebody that in a normal draft year, we'd be talking about as the best tight end in the class. It just so happens that there's a unicorn in this draft class. Uh, would you be open to taking a tight end in the second round? Sure. <laughs> I, 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 again, when you, once you get past, you know, when you have that golden ticket for your first round pick and, you know, you get the best guy available for something, maybe, maybe unless, unless it, if you're quarterback, you're like, okay, I'm going to take a quarterback with this because I would need a quarterback 
once you get past that that day one pick, then it's purely just whoever they think is best on the board. So if the best on the board is a tight end, sure. I mean, again, that goes back to my theory that, you know, let's make this offense great again. Let's make, you know, if we have to overload in a position group we think is great, is kind of stacked right now, do it. You know, we, we're going to have some, we're going to have some rollover on this roster after next season. There's going to be a lot of guys in these skill positions won't be there next year. So short answer is sure. If they, if they, if, if that tight end is braided high enough, take them. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think though, you know, we're talking about, you know, you get talent, whatever. I don't think that this team is served by getting anybody other than maybe those two guys in the tight end room. I watched 11 other tight ends. You know, I watched Brevin Jordan from Miami. Wasn't too bad. I liked Hunter Long from Boston College. But I tried watching a bunch of other guys and, you know, I only saw... Tight end is such a funny position, isn't it? I mean, you look at some of the success stories in the NFL that that even the Giants had, right? I mean, you go back to the 2011 year. We had two tight ends that were such a big part of the offense um, in little ways. I mean, Jake Ballard, you know, had he not shredded, completely shredded his ACL in the Super Bowl, he's probably back the next year. He's a big part of that offense too. But, I mean, his career was completely over after that injury. Even Bear Pasco, you know, with, with touchdown in the NFC Championship game, those guys were important, and they were nobodies in the draft conversation offseason. I believe they were both undrafted free agents. So you can get yourself an effective tight end in the super late rounds of the draft. I just don't know that you even bother with the tight end room the way it is. Tight end is the one position on offense that's probably most dependent on time and place. You know, it depends on what kind of offense you're trying to run, what other talent is around you. I mean, Evan, in another universe, Evan Ingram is probably so much more effective because he's not being relied as as a de facto number one receiver, where maybe he's not such a head case and he can actually catch a ball because there's not so much pressure he's putting on himself to be the man. You know, then maybe that changes if we had a true number one receiver. Um, And maybe we're not, you know, trying to force feed the ball to a tight end so much if you don't have it. So to me, it, a, a tight end is, you know, how perfect the stars have to align for you to be successful. And we've seen it time and time again, unless you are extremely one of the elite of the elites, a generational guy. And that, again, that's where I think that a Kyle Pitts can be one of those guys. Uh, but yeah, I, I, tight end is so much dependent on so many other factors. Yeah, and, and we, I think we've talked about this before with Evan Ingram. I haven't, I haven't seen him utilized effectively since he came here. I mean, he hasn't been. He's drafted for what he did in college, and then not one coach has used him the way that he was used in college. Not one. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, the, the poor dude. You know, I we can sit here and yell and scream about it every time he drops a pass because you know, God damn it, that's your job in this in this game. But. Uh, you know he he hasn't lived up to his draft height because he hasn't been doing what he what he what he does. So you're right. I, I I do think a lot of it is it's a coaching situation, the scheme, the talent around you. You know, absolutely. You know, is Jake Ballard Jake Ballard if you don't have Victor Cruz, Hakeem Nix, and Mario Manningham? Also, yeah. I mean, even if you have Eli Manning, you know, so well, um, let's go back even in history for a guy like Jeremy Shockey. You know what? You put him in a maybe a little better position on that team with the talent around him. He could be, you know, it, it's all. And even, you know, I'm not saying that. Oh, there's a 
Uh, never mind. Sorry. Um, you know, uh, guys like Gronkowski, you know, kind of made their bones at a time where there was another tight end that was just as good, you know, at, at the time with New England. So a lot of things are, again, are time and place. So it, you just try to put – you try to get all the talent around you and you have the right play caller and the right execution and stuff, and everybody gets better, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, I will say there's no sense in, in not adding talent. You know, when, Whenever it comes to undrafted free agents, um, you'll always see – running backs, wide receivers, even though you've already got like eight or nine wide receivers signed to your 90-man roster. Um, And that's because there's no reason not to add them and let competition be competition. So, yes, I believe that Caden Smith is a part of this offense and doesn't deserve to have snaps taken away from him just based on the signing of Kyle Rudolph. But once you get to camp, camp is camp. You earn your place. No matter what happened last year, no matter what your paycheck is. So I don't think there's any problem with adding some guys in undrafted free agency or you know I don't know maybe maybe something happens where the Giants end up with a seventh round pick they don't have one currently but a trade down or, or, or something like that maybe a trade for a punter or something I, I, I heard a great I heard a great anecdote this week on a um, on a basketball podcast I forget which one it was and it was Danny Ainge is the general manager of the Boston Celtics and his philosophy is he tells every single person on the roster, my job is to find your replacement. You know, you are never satisfied and never standing pat on what you have in a position, a position group, the roster, you know, the practice squad, anything. You're always looking for a way to improve everybody. And that I don't care if you are the biggest scrub, you know, the 46 guy on the roster, or if you're Tom Brady. If you have an opportunity to get somebody better than Tom Brady. You're going to try to get him. Uh, so, you know, bringing in uh, guys in the offseason, free agents, you draft somebody, you trade for someone, you sign an undrafted free agent. That's that's the goal is to, you know, make this roster better. You're always searching to in- make the roster better. And also you're bringing in guys, if it's an undrafted free agent or just a low round pick or something is – you need bodies in camp. You know, you can't be running the same guys over and over in these drills. So you may bring in guys off the street to kind of quote unquote compete, but they're really there just to kind of, you know, fill body spots for, for temporarily. A hundred percent. And and that is probably the, the coolest quote there is that my job is to find your replacement. And it's, it's so true. Um, you know, he's always the example because because he's a sixth round pick and whatever Tom Brady remember you know they're standing pretty with Drew Bledsoe you know pretty satisfied with their quarterback at the time Um, you need a backup you need somebody there and you're always developing talent always 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 developing talent Um, just a couple of guys that I think are, are very late round slash undrafted free agent guys that might Go into camp and maybe make some noise. Maybe replace a Levine Tarlolo or uh, Caden Smith or somebody. Um, I kind of liked what I saw from um, what the hell's his name? Fuck. From Jacksonville State, Trey Barry, six seven. He's a little lean though. 
You know, 230 pounds for 6'7 is pretty light. But other than that, everything else I kind of liked from him. And I, it's Jacksonville State, so, you know, I know he's not going against great talent, but he's also not around a lot of great talent. So um, I, I really liked what I saw from him. And one thing, one thing I noticed a lot about, you know, low-end receivers – and, and, and tight ends, low end as in, you know, whatever. Not not the elite of the elite or the really lower great grade, ones. Lower yeah. graded guys, yeah. A lot of times I see guys fall to the ground or jump when catching the ball for like no reason. And I, I wish I had an explanation for it, but it's so common. And I've been seeing it for years. It's nothing new. I mean, even if you think back, Steve Smith that the Giants had was also guilty of this. You know, he, he'd catch a pass and he'd be sliding. Why? Just keep running. But I see I, it all the time. Yeah, I'm not going to get into any names because nobody knows and nobody cares probably on this podcast. But there are several guys at Florida who are young and they were doing the exact same thing. Like a ball is thrown, dead ass accurate, right at their chest and they're jumping. Yeah, I, it, it's, like, it's you know, the so weirdest like, thing. Why are you doing that? Because first of all, the, the goal is to catch a ball in stride and take off and run. I mean, you're recruited to go to a school like that because you have afterburners. And if you're jumping every time you catch a ball, you're slowing down. You know, the biggest advantage you have in college is that you just have, you know, you have you you have superior just physical talent over others. Not so much that you're such a great receiver. You're just faster than other guys. So it, it, it's something you see a lot out of young receivers, a lot of young guys in college. And they, they it's have to be coached out of that. It's like, don't jump. We don't need to stay on your feet. Catch balls and strike. Catch with your arms extended. Don't catch the ball. You know, with your hands on your nipples when you're catching it. I mean, catch it like it's an extension of what you're doing. Yeah, that's the other thing I watch, and this is the same thing I watch with running backs that are you know quote unquote receivers out of the backfield. If you're catching with your chest, you're not catching. You're just in the mm-hmm. way. Um, guys, you're smothering. Catch, you're you're cradling. Yeah, guys who catch with their hands, it, it's another thing I check. You know, I will always check when people don't check catch with their hands. But this guy Trey Barry from Jacksonville State, worth watching. You know, doesn't jump for no reason. He 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 catches the ball nicely with his hands. Watches it all the way into his hands, which is very good. Um, and he uses his his height and his length to catch to to high point balls without unnecessarily jumping. Uh, you know, definitely somebody I would keep an eye on. You know, whether he goes to the Giants or, or wherever, I think I think he makes a roster at, at some point. Um, and uh, another guy that I kind of thought was interesting was. Um, a, a John Bates from Boise State I kind of liked another one he's got the right attributes 6'6 six, six. he's 250 which is kind of right where you want to be um, he, he he's another one where everything he does d- doesn't look super pretty but it's enough and you can see that he's putting all of his effort into it nothing is really lazy or rounded out he's trying everything it's one of those things where you go from Boise State to the New York Giants, and you have a whole different coaching staff helping you. Well, the thing is, you can round out routes when you're when you're in Boise State and you're in the Big Sky because you're not playing against talent even remotely resembling NFL level. So a lot of that is there isn't the necessity to be as sharp as possible. And everything, but you know something that's over, and he's going to get a, a, a you know his first his first practice and his first OTA. He's going to get somebody barking at him that you know. Sharper, 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 and you'll, you'll learn that quick. And the guys that make it in this league are the guys who learn on that first day to do that. 
Absolutely. It's up to him at this point. But but it's always good to see that, you know, the blocking is one of the, the best examples. It may not look pretty, but if you're the one initiating contact, you're hitting them, you're, get, you're moving into it, it looks like you're trying. You're trying to get better. You're trying to do the right thing. Is much better than the guy who's like, rather be catching, so I have to block on this play. Let me get in the way. No, no, no. This guy runs into people. It just... His technique might be a little bit off. Those are things they'd be cleaned up. But the mentality, the aggression, the football player mentality of trying to hit somebody to try and do things at 100 miles an hour is something you can't teach. So it's something I look at. So John Bates, Trey Barry, those are some guys to take a look at. You know, the Giants, some team might take later on that, that have some future in the league should they clean up some of their bullshit, you know. Uh, but but really, for me, the the... The guys at the top of the list are the only ones I really can see the Giants doing anything with. And I I absolutely have to believe that there's no scenario that they pass on Kyle Pitts should he fall. And I do believe that there's a couple of scenarios in which he falls. Again, if it is, it's going to be just a circumstance and situation. But yeah, there is absolutely no chance that he gets past the Giants. Yeah, I I would think so. Um, and in which case, you will no longer have a cranky fan. I mean, oh, no. You're no longer one not wearing a jersey. That's for sure. I will be fully clothed for the next several years in my in my Kyle Pitts New York Giants jersey. Thank God. Um, <laughs> who was the last Florida Gator drafted in the first round by the Giants? Was it Hilliard? Ike Hilliard. He's, yeah, and is he like the only one? Giant that was drafted in the first round for the by the Giants. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I can't think. Uh, I mean, we might yeah. be going back to like, you know, no, I mean, not like Florida had too many players in the fifties. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think that's it. I think it's just Ike Hilliard. Well, yeah, uh, this is the first time, yeah. the second time for everything. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of our tight end review. I have notes on a bunch of other guys if anybody's interested in, oh, what would you think about Kyle and Granson from SMU? I have an answer for you. Just not worth going over in this episode. But I have my notes. They are available should anyone be interested. So reach out to me on Twitter, at football underscore grump, where I will talk all things Giants draft and players and that. I'm getting annoyed again, guys. So find me on Twitter at the Cranky Fan, where I will be nightly live tweeting the Tampa Bay Rays as they kind of get their shit straight. They will. It just gets aggravating when you lose a game or two in a row. So uh, also talking about the Knicks, we're talking, of course, about uh, about the Giants as we get closer and closer to the draft and. Uh, Big road trip next week, Grump. I'm going to be driving from St. Pete, Florida to Fort Wayne, Indiana. So we'll be doing I'll be doing the show next Monday from a hotel room somewhere in this great country of ours. I don't know where I will be, but somewhere. That's quite a drive. <laughs> I got nothing else to do with my time. So, uh, yeah, going down to uh, St. Pete for uh, opening weekend for the for Rays Yankees. And then I got time to kill. I'm just going to get in the car and start driving north. So be on the lookout for Twitter. You can follow my exploits on my road trip. <laughs> and as always, this podcast is available on Spotify, 
um, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, wherever there's podcasts, there is ours. So just look up Just Giants Podcast and our whole 240-whatever list of episodes catalog is there for you to listen to. Wow. If you go back and listen to all 240 of those shows nonstop, let us know. We'll uh, we'll take care of you. And then get you a nice home you can go rest in. <laughs> yeah. I, I think even if you're driving from St. Pete to Fort Wayne or whatever you said, they're not doing that. No, 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 I mean, no. You're no, likely no. to fall asleep and drive off no, the highway. No, no, no. I'd like to make it over the bridge at least before you get to Tampa. <laughs> um, all right, everyone. We'll see you guys next week where we're talking cornerbacks, I think, is the only defensive position left that we haven't talked oh, about. Oh, that'll be a fun one. Actually, uh, we'll be cranky about that one either. Yeah. Uh, so lots to discuss next week, although that DB room is crowded. We will do our due diligence on as many corners as we can. So uh, tune in next Tuesday morning for that episode. All right, everyone. Go, go Giants. Giants.